Uh, welcome to this week's news from the drug war front, uh, brought to you by Karma. My name is Jeff. My co-presenter is Ever is Marion. Good morning. Good morning, Jeffrey. Good morning, listener. And how are we all? The sun is shining. Beautiful day. But it's not real warm out there, so stay in bed and have a listen to news from the drug war front. Get yourself a coffee. We'll have some music soon. Um, when you get a chance to have your coffee, yeah. get your coffee and listen to what we've got to say this week because we're... Got to get things together here. Um, there's a harm reduction conference coming up from the 16th and 19th. In Melbourne. Um, yep. In Melbourne very soon, at which many karma workers will be attending, including Jeff, I might add. Yeah. Um, and people and speaking too, represent, like Chris. Presenting and- so many of the um, innovative programs that karma's been uh, introducing to Canberra that, aren't available everywhere else in Australia, but Canberra seems to be, once again, the innovation capital of Australia as far as drug harm reduction is concerned and really proud to say it. You'd be hard-pressed to used, argue with that. Yeah. Well, it used to be the at the, t- at the, you know, fr- at the front runner, Geoffrey, and... You know, over many years, it's all gone down the gurglers. I think, you know, the last it's coming back. 10, 20 years, it sort of went right down the tubes, didn't it? Well, I think the upswing is coming with can test. I certainly drug checking, has. You know, with can test. Decriminalisation. testing. And the, yep, decriminalisation, the Narcone, Naloxone program. That, which you recently did again, yep, I believe. Yeah, that I did again, which is has changed in its um, content and really worth doing. I'll talk a little bit more about yeah, that. Yeah, that'd but be good. Anyway, there's some good stuff that's going on in Canberra and it's really nice to know that we've once again got a government that is prepared to bite the bullet and create some innovating programs that are well worth attending and we can make use of and will stop people from dying, which is what we want most of all. First of all, we want people to talk about drug use, illicit drug use in particular, and the policies behind it and make sure that it is at the forefront of people's minds, but also we want to stop people from dying and that's really important. Absolutely, and bit by bit. Things are improving. It might be at a glacial pace, to That's my right. liking. Yeah. Um, but every little improvement is a step in the right direction. Bit by bit, it helps. And there's some wonderful things going on overseas, in, particularly in Vancouver, which I know we tend to rave about a little bit. Um, and, of course, there's always an update on Duterte, who's still running from the International Criminal, Criminal Court, Court. <laughs> because right. they don't belong to that anymore. Well, so if maybe any, we've got a little bit anyone to say deserves about them, to so. have their money hot on his coattails, it's um, yes. Duterte, really. What a, a good old Bong Bong Marcos. Yeah. yeah, you know, a poster child for, or poster boy, man, poster man for uh, extra judicial poster killing. Poster boys, all right, Jeffrey. I, I always believe, you know, you've got baby boys, young boys, middle aged boys, old boys, and dead boys. <laughs> Yeah, They're well, all boys. He certainly wasn't. Present company accepted, dear, sorry. <laughs> oh, thank you, Marion. He wasn't shy in uh, boasting about his uh, disgust for drug users and no. his willingness to have them shot on site. Absolutely. It's yeah, a, what a wonderful expression. It's um, Shot on site, wonderful. Well, Great. it's all part of the spectrum of prohibition, isn't it? It's um, Yeah, but they're right down the they're other end. They're right down the other end, yeah. <laughs> At least we haven't got that yet. Right down the bottom. All right, welcome, listeners, to today's uh, show. News from the Drug War Front, brought to you by Karma, the Canberra Alliance for Minimisation and Advocacy, and also the Connection, which is uh, co-located um, 
uh, it's Canberra's peer-based drug and alcohol service for First Nations clients. News from the Drug War Front promotes the broad array of services provided by Karma, and uh, they are ever-increasing. Uh, it also We also report on stories relevant to illicit drug users from Australia and around the world and hopefully promote discussion and thought uh, and education to our listeners about the need to think about some different approaches to dealing with the harms of problematic drug use uh, in the current world of prohibition, which Indeed. isn't working. And never has worked. Never has worked. Yeah. And karma which most regular listeners will know, and The Connection provide a wide range of services like advocacy, peer treatment support, education, art therapy, support groups, mentoring and referral. Above all, Karma and The Connection are harm reduction services. Karma and The Connection are like co-located at the Bell Collins Churches Centre, Shop 17, Level 154, Benjamin Way. Drop-in hours are 10am to 4pm, Monday to Friday, um, contact can be made on 62533643 or by emailing karma at uh, info at karma.org.au. Karma can assist people with a wide range of issues, including advice and advocacy around opioid maintenance treatment, accessing and being paid to treat your hepatitis C in conjunction with Hep ACT and the Reach, Teach, Treat, Thrive program, helping people to access detox, rehab and other alcohol uh, treatment and other drug services, alcohol, tobacco and other drug services, I beg your pardon, a walk-in health clinic with a doctor on Thursday. Uh, I'm sorry, a nurse from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. every Thursday. And, and a doctor too now. We've got and a, a doctor. doctor. Yep. With a doctor and a nurse. I did say doctor. Oh, I sorry. Jeffrey. Don't listen to me sometimes, gang. <laughs> and from 10 a.m. till 2 p.m. It's every Thursday now, Jeffrey, isn't it? Yeah, Thursday. Yeah, my old sheep here Wednesday. says Wednesday. Yep. Yeah. In partnership with Direction. And you don't need an appointment for that. Um, it's a it, there's a no there's a not just that low threshold but no threshold so you just turn up and you can see somebody a doctor or a nurse depending upon what your problems are particularly if you've got things like abscesses please don't leave them untreated no. go and get them looked at doesn't matter where they get doesn't matter if you've got an abscess from a rotten tooth just go and see somebody about it they've got a doctor there they can prescribe you antibiotics and you should take them mel yeah. i'm talking to you and also on the question of abscesses um marion there's also uh pete's um in charge of operating the new piece of kit that Carl's got. Absolutely, the, the vein, vein yeah, to, to find um, viable veins, yeah. which is really important. So it's amazing. Uh, Monday yeah. afternoon is a preferred time to turn up, but you can go any time and have your arms looked at or wherever you prefer to inject. Have them uh, looked at by the vein finder and if you've got any sense, take a picture of it with your phone of where the veins are or draw on your arms where the veins are. I've seen people do that. Yeah. yeah. I don't. There's no reason why you shouldn't really. Um, you might have to wipe it off when you're using a, an alcohol <laughs> wipe, but... If you know where the veins are and where the viable veins are, they haven't where they haven't collapsed. Yeah, so um, you can inject much more safely. It's a great and piece it's a of really kit. A, yeah. such a 
fabulous innovation. I'm so pleased that Karma's got one of those. Yep. So peer education workshops they do provide assistance with advocacy for people who are experiencing social issues or having trouble navigating social services, which is always a problem. Um, Connections Harm Reduction Peer Education Program, Muragadi for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander clients. In fact, if you're having any problems with alcohol, tobacco or, or drug use and don't know how or where to get help, or even if you just want to have a chat about your use with someone who can empathise with your experience because they have lived experience themselves. Yeah. It is a peer program, which means there's no power differential between you who turn up to talk to someone and the person you're talking to. And if you just want a cup of coffee and tea and sit and watch you a can bit of television do that too. or read some of the magazines. Read some of the magazine, absolutely. So, and there's no problems with any of that. So just, yep, as I say, the number is, six again, 62533643. Um and, yeah, if it, you want to talk to somebody on the phone, you can do that yep. too. You don't have to turn up. No, you don't have to be there in person. You can just make a call. Yep. Okay, news from the Drug War Front reports on news stories relevant to illicit drug users from Australia and also around the world. Many of the articles that we feature come from other sources, including that are the mainstream media. The contents of this uh, broadcast slash podcast do not, of course, necessarily reflect the uh, views and policies of Karma and the Connection. Karma does not condone nor condemn drug use and we do not promote illegal activity. However, we recognise that drug use happens and will continue to happen regardless of laws and United Nations conventions. As such, Karma focuses on harm reduction messages, drug treatment support services, advocacy and community development. We seek to reduce the harms associated with drug use and its criminalisation through the program, uh, provision of programs that foster community development and the delivery of person-centred holistic health care. Karma advocates for e equity of health service delivery for all people, which uh, seems Indeed. not unreasonable. But, no. um, we'll go to our first song. This is uh, Black, Black Holes and Revelations by the band Muse, and the track is Supermassive Black Hole. This is Muse.
All right, welcome back to News from the Rug Warfront. It's about 14 minutes to 11, and that was Muse and Supermassive Black Hole. Uh, Marion, you said before you uh, did, did another update, yeah, refresher. Yes, um, last Tuesday I did the naloxone training course, thank you, Dave, um, at the Early Morning Centre. Was is uh, on the first Tuesday of every month. I was really intrigued because I haven't done the training course for a long time, so I thought I'd do it as an update. And it has changed more than somewhat. Um, we still get paid to do it, um, but it's very it's simplified the uh, important points about it, like not using alone and not using after a period, not using the same amount after a period of abstinence, and being very careful about it, making sure when it's appropriate to use naloxone if you think somebody is overdosing, which is always. Um, I just found that the whole um, session was intriguing enough to keep me listening and I thought I knew it back to front but was really interested in the whole thing. Um, well, credits to Dave for so, making something he's done well, time Dave's and time again. Yeah, and Dave's presenting on it at the Harm Reduction Conference because he's been to, uh, down in Melbourne yeah, next week. he's going to talk about the whole context yeah. of how it started and at Karma. the and, trial and yep. what it was all about because it was started, the trial was started in Canberra. It was. And now it's spread all all over Australia, yep. basically through pharmacists. Um, but it's just, it, there's a little handout that goes with it. When you get the your take-home pack of the naloxone, inside the box there is uh, an instruction sheet which tells you how to use the naloxone right. and to make sure that people don't prime their... Um, little nasal sprays because if you prime it, you've just used the dose. But fortunately, there are two doses in it. (laughs) The thing is, it's such a useful program to do. It's such an interesting program to do. And every time I learn something new from it. So I want to congratulate Dave on his program and I think it's well worth presenting it. Pharmacists all around Australia now are handing out naloxone for free. Just a two-pack of naloxone you can get for nothing from the pharmacist at at any pharmacy. So I think it's well worth people doing the training for a start. But also, if you can't do the training, you can find out how to use naloxone and when to use naloxone simply by going into the chemist and asking the pharmacist for a naloxone because it costs nothing now and the pharmacists are backing it to the hilt. So every other state in Australia pretty well, all the pharmacists are handing out uh, a two-pack of naloxone so that if you happen to see somebody who you think may have overdosed or whether they have or haven't, the use of a, um, a spray, nasal spray of naloxone will reverse the effects of any opioid, right. Right? not opiate, opioid, th- because there are a range of products, that, and that Dave makes that clear in the training too. It's opioids that, that it reverses. Won't re- do anything else. It does nothing but yeah. reverse the effects of opioids. It's not going to hurt you if you haven't taken um, 
No, it, and anyway, I just, I really just wanted to say that I want to congratulate Dave because I think he's he's refined his training to a point where it's consumable by everybody. Yeah? Awesome. It doesn't matter how much you know or you think you know about it. It's well worth doing. Um, and I can only say to people, first Tuesday of every month, it's going to be. It's always going always to be on, on early the morning training, yeah. and I think it's well worth going and doing. And I was pleased that I went to do it. And you know, it actually managed to keep me shut up for a whole hour and a half. That's not bad. Well, I think the fact <laughs> that uh, the federal government has taken on providing naloxone for free to pharmacists, like you said, that should be applauded. Is a real that. validation of the um, progress made since the trial in, back in 2012. Well, and for such a, um, a conservative group like the Pharmaceutical Guild, Pharmacy Guild or the Pharmaceutical Society, to back the program and to be prepared to hand out naloxone to whoever asks for it is an excellent um Excellent. Uh, just a, a great testament well, I think to the fact that the program or, is well worth having. Yeah. Anyone's concerns or criticisms or worries have been laid to rest. And, that's um, right, yeah. As you said, it does one thing, but does it well. But, and that's all it does. Yeah. yeah. It does, won't do anything else, doesn't harm, just helps. All right. You've picked a track from the Small Faces collection I brought in. Uh, oh, yeah. And I could have... Just about all of them you could have played, Jeffrey, and I would have sung along to. But the one you're going to put on, Itchikoo Park, is Itchikoo it? Park, yeah. Yep. Haven't heard this in years. Yeah, Jack loved this one. Small faces. You know, this yeah. is, used to be Rod Stewart's backing band, but there you go. Indeed, that's going way back. Okay, yeah. Small Faces, Itchikoo Park. Your sights to rest my eyes in shades of green under dreaming spots to Ichiku Park. That's where I think. What did you do there? I got high. What did you feel there? Without bum, they all come out 
to cool the bed and my Santa follow the sun. It's all too beautiful. It's all too beautiful. It's all too beautiful. DJ's that, that is nightmare. a classic. Yeah, I hit the DJ's wrong button again. nightmare, Jeffrey, <laughs> yeah, when they fade out like that, isn't it? I, I always seem to bugger <laughs> up one. Look, just before we go to the um, 11 o'clock news, I just I finally um, hooked up to uh, Wi-Fi here at, um, as a guest at 2XX, and it's from the New York Times. Drug company leaders condemn the ruling invalidating the Food and Drug Administration's approval of the abortion pill. You know, it's a hot issue in America, but more than 400 executives said that the decision ignored both scientific and legal precedents and that if the ruling stood, it would create uncertainty for the pharmaceutical and biotech industries, let alone women who can't afford or don't want to take a pregnancy to term. The pharmaceutical industry plunged into a legal showdown over the abortion pill, Mifepristone, on Monday, issuing a scorching condemnation of a ruling by a federal judge that invalidated the Food and Drug Administration's approval of the drug and calling for the decision to be reversed. Jesus, women's um, reproductive they're rights. Re- are- oh, look, they're really copying it over in the States, Jeffrey. It's just atrocious. Just under assault, yep. isn't it? Yeah, totally. Right-wing. Reproductive rights have just been trodden on time and again, yeah. And I, and I guess one of the good things was that this uh, pill version could be posted to states where, it, you know, the actual where, procedure where was banned. Where it, yeah, termination wasn't legal, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it goes on to say the statement was signed by more than 400 leaders of some of the drug and biotech industry's most prominent investment firms and companies, none of which actually make the drug. The first pill in a two-drug two medication abortion rate regimen, it shows that the reach of this case stretches far beyond abortion. Unlike Roe v. Wade and other past landmark abortion lawsuits, this one could challenge the foundation of the regulatory system for all medicines in, in the United States. So it actually goes beyond um, the, the issue of uh, just abortion. abortion pill, yeah. Uh, quote, if courts can overturn drug approvals without re- any regard for science or evidence or for the complexity required to fully vet the safety and effic- efficacy of new drugs, any medicine is at risk and uh, for the same out- outcome as Mifepristone said the statement. And what about the separation between um, politics and, 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 and the judicial system? Isn't that one of the cornerstones of democracy? Oh, it's one of separation of, things. of ch- church and state, and pol- but judicial and and um, politics. It's just crazy. No, well, Trump um, getting to a point three very conservative judges has overturned the, <sighs> the balance completely. Um, it also just says the Justice Department filed a motion asking the US Court of Appeals to stay the ruling. Um, so there's efforts to try and hold the line. Uh, if allowed to take effect, the court's order would thwart the FDA's scientific judgment and severely harm women, especially for those for whom mephipristone is a medical or practical necessity, said the Justice Department motion, which noted that the drug was also used in treating mass miscarriages. It added this harm would be felt throughout the country, given that 
Mitfer Pristone has lawful uses in every state. The order would undermine healthcare systems and the reliance interests of businesses and medical providers. The appeals court gave the plaintiffs a coalition of groups and doctors who oppose abortion until midnight Tuesday to file a response. So more assault of um, on women's reproductive rights and on their bodies. You know, their own, on their agency, basically, Jeffrey, their capacity to make their own decisions and have access to termination and you know the fact that that medication, that drug, is actually useful for other illnesses for other treat as a treatment for other has other uses and so has a just, long record of safe usage too That's yeah it, you know it's just just the where people are coming from blows me out in the states you know it's it sounds like it's a um, where they war. reside determines yeah. how they think. Yes. Yeah, and it, it's really quite frightening, whereas in Australia it tends to be, you know, how you vote determines how you think. But, no, it seems to be so very different in the States. And it's just unreasonable, just totally unreasonable. Yeah, I've got a comment from the Attorney-General of Colorado. The state of Colorado says, this is absolutely a test of our legal system's ability to function. Um, so that's, he says yes. it pretty seriously. Um, the Texas decision violated basic principles about how you make judgments based on evidence and about the authority of agencies. The challenge is once you start undermining those rules in one case, you undermine it for others as well. And I guess it's the precedent that gets set where the science is no longer the, the meaningful <sighs> yeah, information. The, corning, the cornerstone, yeah. yeah. That's a um, real worry. And when they keep, it seems so silly, Jeff, when people are constantly asking for scientific basis for argument yes. on anything. And then when you come up with a scientific basis that argues against a personal position or a position that is held by somebody who, you know, maintains the opposing position, if they don't agree with it, then ignore the science. Go with your personal position every time. So... It's, you know, it's just, just makes a lie out yeah. of the fact. Why do science? Why have science? Yeah. Why take <laughs> any, why ask for evidence-based uh, decisions yeah. when the evidence is going to be ignored? Mm. Now, that's yeah? a really good point. And why do these things always affect um, women? Why can't it be a vasectomy drug or, a, you know, some, a drug that... Because it's largely men making the decisions, yeah, Jeffrey. Yeah, let's no. face it. Yeah. <laughs> and we're talking about Texas. Yeah, true. No, you've answered my yeah. question. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, it's a very sad state of affairs um, for women. I mean, they seem to be affected more on most social issues, don't they, whether it's being illicit drug user... Um, and it, it doesn't matter where you go when it comes to war or decisions or politics, women and children seem to get cop the brunt of the bad effects. Yeah, genocide is about raping women so that they don't have you know babies like no Ukrainian babies. They'll yeah. be raped. They'll be Russian Ukrainian babies and stealing children. From no. Ukraine to take to Russia and telling them that their parents don't love them anymore. Just gets ugly and ugly. All right, we're off to the National uh, Radio Community Radio Federation news and then we'll be back. Just wanted to mention, we mentioned briefly that the Harm Reduction International Conference is going to be held in uh, Melbourne. It's actually been scheduled for uh, two years in Melbourne, but because of COVID, it uh, has been twice delayed. Um, so I think we're very fortunate that it's actually still um, scheduled 
uh, to be held in Melbourne, 16th till the 19th of April in um, Melbourne at the Melbourne Conference and Exhibition Centre, which is, uh, I think, um, affectionately known as Jeff Shed, Jeff Kennett. And um, there'll be speakers from all over the world. In fact, so far, I haven't actually seen the full program list. Um, I've just seen individual speakers um, on their uh, Twitter um, promos. Um, and I've seen a couple of ones like Sioni for Harm Reduction Victoria. Um, I know Dave's speaking about the naloxone program. Um, I think I'm speaking just, I think, between five and seven minutes on some of the, the ways karma works in partnership and trying to advocate for drug users, you know. Yeah. Um, and some of the many things that karma has developed, you know, um, over the years, which we constantly talk about, you know. Well, it's, as I keep on saying, Jeffrey, it's so innovative, it's well worth talking about and reiterating. And um, people who haven't been to karma but may listen to the radio show need to know how innovative it is and how much they could actually contribute to that innovation by coming in and talking to workers and saying what sort of stuff they need, what kinds of things users need so that they can use their drugs in as less harmful way as possible. There's always going to be side effects from most drugs, but, well, all well, drugs nothing's really, 100% except naloxone, yeah. everything's going to be especially while they're illegal, there's going to be trouble. Well, as we found from CanTest, there's all sorts of um, oh, not very incredible nice... Um, stuff coming yeah. out of CanTest. Yeah. But, the uh, yeah, it's well worth reiterating how much karma can do and is doing at the moment. So, yeah, I quite agree with you. <laughs> Can't well, say to enough about what they're doing. I think the really good thing is karma has extended its um, range of partnerships with other organisations and has that legitimacy and place, you know, in the, you know, the respected part of the, the sector, I guess, for want of a better word. But, you know, like in the past when I first started at Karma, I'm not saying we didn't do great work, but a lot of it was a lot of other organisations saw us as a bit of an outlier, you know, drug users, advocates, um, you well, know. it wasn't actually funded as part of the drug and alcohol sector. And that was one of the issues, I think, was actually funded in order to um, support efforts HIV in peer education against HIV. Yeah, that's right. And then further on, it was about hepatitis C and stopping the spread of hepatitis C, which tended to affect uh, injecting drug users more than anybody else. Yeah. So, But now that it's part of that gamut, legitimate part of that gamut of alcohol and other drug uh, not treatment, just treatment centres, yeah, but yes. of the harm reduction yeah. um, program that that alcohol and tobacco and other drug services are part of themselves. It now is a legitimate part of it that itself, yeah, mm. and about time too. And Karma's had a hand in a whole range of things from nicotine replacement therapy to activism to try and get the uh, de decriminalisation laws to support in the can test facility yep. to and naloxone. It's part, of, it's part of the committee for everything just about, isn't it? I mean, Chris is, attends everything to represent Karma and provide that user's point of view uh, or a consumer's point of view, if you like, for all services. And that's that crucial, Marion, because if you don't have a seat at the table... If you pro provide a, a program for users and they are obliged to attend that, which often happens because of the way the judicial system works, um, 
people are obliged to attend something like counselling doesn't necessarily mean they're going to behave, they change their behaviour, but they do need to know how to stay alive and how to stay well. There's no reason why they should only attend the counselling centre and be talked at about how to give up drugs. Yeah. Good to know how to do it, but also need to know how to stay alive. It's only one aspect of the whole issue, you know. That's right. Abstinence, yeah. If you want to be abstinent, that's fine. But forcing people that that's the only option that is given a tick is not going to work, for one, and I think is really outrageous and abuse of people's rights. Not only that, Jeffrey, but you find that people, when they are being obliged to become abstinent or even if they're electing to try to achieve abstinence and then it doesn't work for them or they find themselves using again, they disappoint themselves and they get guilty. Now, I always say there are two emotions you can go nowhere with. One is disappointment and the other (laughs) one is guilt. Yeah? Yeah. They are dead ends in themselves. Yeah. So if you want to become abstinent but find that you have actually used again after a period of abstinence, not only is it a danger to you because using alone is a problem, especially a danger for overdose, but it's also um, a matter that you disappoint yourself, in which case you may just keep on using because of that disappointment. Hmm, That's true. And using alone is one of the most dangerous aspects. Uh, And as Dave says, that, you know, three major reasons... Um, that people or danger areas. It's for coming out of a rehab right. centre or yeah. a long period of abstinence. Um, is it? They're all risk factors for overdose um, or coming out of jail. Right. Um, using drugs that you got from an unknown source or an, somebody that you haven't used from before and have no knowledge of it, and you have no knowledge of the quality of yep. it. Um, and very rarely, because, and you can see from the CAN test, there are very few people who will actually present their heroin for testing, largely because it's so expensive. And if you provide a, even a small amount, because it's so expensive people these are nervous, days, it's, gonna cost them, it's yeah. going to reduce the amount you have available to you. But you can always remember, you can always have more, you can never have less. And when it I, comes to using illicit drugs. I would encourage powder users, heroin users especially, who seem to have been, for whatever reason, a bit reluctant to use can test services, that it is a minuscule amount that they need to actually do the test. It's very it's expensive gear. And, well, it's, and especially if you're using after a long period of abstinence, you can afford to provide a minimal amount for testing. It's a shame it's only available on Thursday and Friday. With any luck, it'll be available over a greater period of time. Over time, it will become more frequently available and people will be able to get it, go and have their drugs tested when they buy them. And at times that are a bit more appropriate for people, you know, who are yep. going nightclubs. Friday morning is a good idea. Thursday is an interesting time, but I suppose it's payday for a lot of people. Um, but, yeah, the the if we can get it going on a more frequent basis, on a daily basis even, Monday to Friday at I least, agree. it would be really useful. But I'm just really proud that we've got it. Yes. Don't let it be said that I'm not, but... I would like to see it available more often, more frequently. Yeah, look, just a reminder, currently it's open Thursdays from 10am to 1pm 
and yep. the other day it's open is Fridays from 6pm till 9pm. So that's a total of six hours during the entire week, which is good and I fully support that, but I think surely it needs to be extended. Um, yep, I agree. Look, I'm, I'm going to play a rather lengthy song, but I've, I've had a regular <laughs> Did you not do that, you Rodney? <laughs> asking me to do uh, play this song. It's... um. Uh, Lou Reed fanatic, um, which I love Lou Reed too, but it's, it's uh, the main track from an album called Street Hassle. It's a three-part song, and it's got a monologue actually by um, Bruce Springsteen, and it's um, it's 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 fairly um, what's the word uh, confronting confronting material. Yeah, so um, if you yeah don't want to listen yeah, to something, turn off now if yeah. you don't want to listen to confronting material. But this is Street Hassle. Gently, it was like she never ever come. And then sha la 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 la, sha la 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 la. When the sun rose and he made to leave, 
You know, sha la 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 la, sha la 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 la, neither one regretted a thing.
four sad songs and a penny for a wish. I wish it won't make it so With a pretty kiss or a pretty face can't have its way. Don't translate us. That was Lou Reed. It's, um, to me, one of the classics about dealing with the tragedy of an overdose. You know? Well, the days before naloxone, Jeff. I mean, I, that was what I was thinking all the way through. It, you listen to that song and you can see, you can feel the joy. You know, Lou Reed was such a poet, and but such a, um, such a good um, viewer of human nature and of the class that he was within, he was a member of, of his peers because he was a street person. Um, he had his own box of works, right, his own yeah. glass syringe yeah. with probably blunt needles in it, I would imagine, out of the number of times that he had abused it. But he was such a good observer of human nature and his poetry that is his songs, uh, express that so well yeah. in so many different ways. And he um, passed through so many of those um, subcultures, you know, the Andy Warhol yeah. factory scene. Um, yep. He had a transgender partner for quite a number of years. He used drugs then didn't use, you know, he was yeah. really, um, he a was a poet. Well, he was a, a peer in a variety of ways yeah. Yeah, for a variety of people, of classes of people, if you like. Yep. Um, but, yes, in the days before naloxone, which wasn't so long ago, people. So, no. you know, don't take it for granted. No. Because uh, that was, uh, for those who didn't listen to the middle of it, it was about somebody who overdosed and then was suggested that they put him in the street and pretend it was a hit and run. Yeah. Uh, which is probably what would have happened in New York anyway, particularly if it was a black person. Back in they those days. Dismissed it as a hit and run. Yeah. But the point about it really is, for me... Be grateful for what we have now yep. and we are going further and further into it. I'm going to do a piece in a minute about what's happening in Vancouver because I think that's really exciting. It is. And a great movement from the Drug Users Liberation Front. Yep. Probably something that we should have here except that we're not brave enough to talk about it as a liberation front. But well, just an interesting piece, a fabulous song. They've yeah. reached the point where they've just had enough. 
how many more deaths are we going to have to That's right. And, the, and, well, they had to put up with all the fentanyl and thousands of deaths and how it was creeping up, not creeping, rushing up from um, Texas all the way up to Canada. Seems yeah? like they've been affected by some of these less positive trends, the fentanyl, the trank, which is includes xylazine, which is an yep. animal tranquilizer, and yep. it's killing oh, more well, and more people. The it's use of veterinary products, as well, you know, because you don't have to get them prescribed, you can just get them from any crooked uh, veterinarian, or break into a you know a veterinarian's place well, instead of doing a chemist bust, which is what people used to do in, in the, the day. old days. Yeah. yeah. Now, funny, I remember um, back in the old days, a chemist um, who. Even though that giving out um, equipment wasn't strictly legal, he did it because he didn't want to yeah. have it in his conscience that Look, somebody might die or get. Before we had before we had uh, needle exchange, Jeffrey, there were two chemists in Canberra that actually sold needles and syringes. One was in Hackett; that's no longer there anymore, and what the other one was out in Bill Conan. I don't know if that's there anymore, but I think the shops that it's at are largely yeah. shut down anyway. Well, but them. they sold them and they said not only did they sell them, but one of them said, look, you know, some people are don't like one particular kind, so I stocked both kinds, you wow. know, B&D and Terumo, because some people are very picky about what they like. And he, he didn't particularly respect uh, drug users, but he acknowledged the fact that they existed and, he had and the was prepared to make, to make them available. Yeah. But that was on an individual basis, despite the fact that the um, Pharmacy Guild had put out a policy Again. saying it, just as we got needle and syringe exchange made available, they put out a policy saying they weren't going to distribute them. Wow. So anyway. We have come a long way. Um, I thought this, for people who know Afro Man, who did that song, I Want to Get High, it's just sort of funny, um, his um, police are actually suing him for using footage of them raiding in his home. Uh, and he's used it in a music video by Max Yang from Guardian.com, March 23rd. Officers in Ohio who conducted a botched raid of the rapper's home are suing for invasion of privacy and emotional distress, if you can believe that. They were emotionally distressed. Mm. Imagine how he felt. Well, yeah, it doesn't doesn't matter, I suppose. He's uh, He's a criminal, obviously. Police officers who conducted a botched armed raid of rapper Afro Man's home last year have filed a lawsuit against him for invasion of privacy and emotional distress after he used footage of it in his music videos. Earlier this month, police officers, and it lists a whole lot of names, filed the lawsuit in Adams County, Ohio, against Afro Man, alleging that the rapper and others, including his record label, used the the officer's likeness for commercial purposes. According to court documents, police officers conducted a search of Afro Man's residence last August, quote, pursuant to a lawfully issued search warrant. According to the warrant, the search was carried out as part of an investigation into drug possession and trafficking, as well as kidnapping. Oh, yeah. Following the raid, Adams uh, County Prosecutor's Office said officers found no probative criminal evidence. Prohibitive? Uh, I think it's probative. Is that probative? Yeah, probative is the word, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Criminal evidence and Afro Man faced no charges. 
At the time of the raid, Afro man, real name Joseph Edgar Foreman, was not home, but his wife was, so she got traumatised. Terrific. In addition to Afro man's wife recording parts of the raid on her phone, security video cameras installed at their home also caught portions of the search, including the faces and bodies of many of the police officers involved. The rapper went on to use the footage recorded by his wife and house cameras as part of several music videos which were released online. Afro Man also posted content from the raid onto his social media accounts, including Facebook, Good on him. Snapchat, TikTok and Instagram. Those music videos clearly portray the images, likenesses and distinctive appearances of many of the officers involved in the search, including those of all plaintiffs, according to the lawsuit. One of the images posted to Instagram is of Afro Man wearing a T-shirt with a picture of police officer Sean D. Dooley next to a picture of Family Guy character Peter Griffin according to the lawsuit. So he's, well, made, he's made it funny, you know. Yeah, another Instagram post featured a picture of Judge Roy Gabbett, who signed the search warrant. According to the lawsuit, the caption read, quote, this is the judge that signed the warrant that said kidnapping. Uh, his name is Roy Droopy Gabbett. <laughs> Vote him out before he signs a fictitious warrant, then send someone over reacting paranoid KKK, KK cops to your house. Cops to your house, jeopardising the lives of you and your family, stealing your money and disconnecting your home video security system. End quote. The police officers allege that Afro Man's actions were, quote, willful, wanton, malicious and done with conscious or reckless disregard, end quote, and claim they have been subject to ridicule by the public. Sorry, on their own head bed, I'm afraid. That's by me, not by the article. They also claim that they have been subject to death threats and have been unable to perform their duties properly. <sighs> Quote, as a result of the defendant's action, plaintiffs have suffered damages, including all profits derived from and attributable to, to defendants authorised use of plaintiffs' personas and have suffered humiliation, ridicule, mental distress, embarrassment and loss of reputation, the lawsuit said. Each officer is seeking damages of 25000 per four counts. Whoa. For each of four counts. Earlier this year, Afro Man told Vice that he lost the gig opportunity. Yes, I thought it might have been a Vice article. That he lost had lost gig opportunities due to the kidnapping charge written on the warrant and that he has channelled his anger through his music. Quote, I'm a civilian, he said. Then, to make matters worse, I'm a black civilian in America. Mm. The police department was not designed to serve and protect me. I felt powerless yet angry. These guys can destroy my property and I literally couldn't do anything, could do nothing about it, couldn't do nothing about it. Double negative. The only thing I could do was take my, to my pen and sing about the injustice. And to my surprise, it's going over well, he said. Hear, hear. I actually think they deserve what they get, Jeffrey. Absolutely. And really, if he, if all he's done is sing about what happened to him yep. and his wife and his household, I think that's his personal business yep. and he's entitled to. Yeah, and it's the first time the coppers have actually got something against them and it's when dumped. they have really they deserved it oh, for absolutely. years. Absolutely. Yeah? Every bit of it. How many people get shot with raids uh, being executed that turn out to be wrong or, uh, you know? 
and and are taken to court and found not guilty. Well, which mostly, is even yeah. worse, especially if it's a black person that they've shot. Very rare that they get convicted. Crazy. I look, I'm just yeah horrified, but it's a it's a really moving piece. And I might add, I watch Vice News quite a lot. Yeah, it's good. Um, at ABC. Sorry, SBS 2. Yeah, SBS 2. Um, 31 on my dial anyway. But it's got some really interesting stuff in it. It's done some things. Had a, um, uh, a program on it yesterday, which was the war against kids, the war on kids. Oh, okay. And it's actually about a bust in, uh, in uh, California. And they busted 20 kids from one school and promoted it as a drug ring. Wow. Despite the fact that there were many people who, were, though they were busted and charged, had no drugs on them. Typical. And it, there was no ring, no drug ring at all. No. But they just busted Build 20 kids. It, yeah. And the first person that they busted was actually a, um, a kid on the spectrum on the autism, autism. spectrum, mm. and he thought he had a friend, right? And uh, it was actually a copper, an yeah. undercover copper, cop, cop. who nagged him every day to get him some pot. Wow. And Entrapment. his parents were actually on the program saying they were so pleased that his son, their son had found a friend because it was the first friend he'd had. Wow. And this is high school, the first friend he'd oh, had. That, that's criminal. And this guy is an undercover copper. That's shocking. Manipulating a kid on the spectrum, and that's just obscene. I've got a quick one, Maz. It's actually from the Royal Gazette, which we've never had anything from there before, but it's entitled War on Drugs, Who Are the Real Terrorists? Mm. Capitol Hill's drug warriors self-injected their latest fix of high dudgeon in early March after the abduction of four Americans, two of whom were subsequently murdered by drug traffickers in Mexico. I think it was those people. Yes. Uh, On March the 8th, US Senators uh, Roger Marshall from Kansas and Rick Scott from Florida announced proposed legislation to designate Mexican drug cartels as, quote, terrorist organisations. Marshall admitted that... uh, admitted more than he probably intended on the subject when it described the abductions slash murders as, quote, a tragedy and a symptom of a larger problem stemming from the culture supported by a national leadership, you don't say. Why do Mexican drug cartels exist? Why do they smuggle cocaine, heroin and other substances into the United States? Who are they willing to kill to protect their turf and snuff out their competition? Because, as Willie Sutton supposedly said uh, when asked why he robbed banks, that's where the money is. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) Why is that where the money is? Because politicians such as uh, Roger Marshall and Rick Scott want it there. That's why. After a century of the so-called war on drugs, a few lessons that were obvious from its beginning remain glaringly so. Mm. Lesson one. Some people like to use drugs and are going to do so whether or not they have Marshall and Scott's permission to do so. Lesson two, most people like to make money and some are going to do so by providing drug users with drugs whether or not they have Marshall's and Scott's permission to do so. Lesson three, the kind of people who are willing to make money without the permission of Marshall and Scott are also willing to kill to keep making that money. Lesson four, there is nothing that Marshall and Scott can do to change lessons one, two and three. These lessons explain why we don't see very often, we don't very often see aspirin or beer distributors gunning down their rivals on the street. 
when customers can walk into a variety of stores to buy what they want in known quantity, quality and strength, and when they trade dis- when trade disputes can be settled with lawyers rather than with guns, everyone is a lot safer. Marshall and Scott didn't want you to be safer. They want you and those who sell you the things you want to live in terror of their disapproval. Mm. They are, in a word, terrorists. Wow. Oddly enough, they are both veteran drug dealers themselves. Marshall, as a prescription-writing obstetrician, and Scott, as a so-called healthcare executive, who parlayed a fortune, made facilitating Medicare fraud into a career in politics. Wow. The continuing terror campaigners they order and sanction, from abducting merchants and customers off the street and putting them in cages to deploying police and troops abroad to violently suppress dealers, guarantee that their opponents will likewise turn to terror. Marshall Scott and the cartels are mutually supporting peas in a rotten pod. That was by Thomas L. Knopp, is the director and news analyst with at the uh, William Lloyd Garrison Centre for Liberation or Libertarian Advocacy and Journalism. Well, I think he sums it up pretty well, Marin. I think it does too. It's a very good one. Yeah, I hadn't heard. Um the architects of the drug war described as terrorists before, but it, it's... No, a, well, it's very true. It's a cogent point, yeah. yeah absolutely. All right, we'll play a quick song, and then Marin's got a piece about uh, <laughs> the Drug User Liberation Front in Vancouver. Okay, we're going to play uh, You Played Yourself. Uh, this is from 1989 by the rapper Ice-T, You Played Yourself. Is back with the high lid. Suckers, you've lost the players, you're not. Gangsters, you ain't. You faint punk if you ever heard a gunshot. You're the pusher, the player, the pimp. Gangsters, the hustler, high roller, dead press folder. It's cold lamping like a black king on the throne. Evilly, turn up the microphone so I can ill and break on the rolling tape. Another album to make, great. Islam, turn the bass, kick up a bit. Hype the snare, now I got a place to sit and ride the track like a black neck in his lack. Hit the corner slow where the girls are at And kick game the way it should be done How you gonna drop science, you dumb Stupid ignorant, don't even talk to me In school you drop math, science and history And then you get on the mic and try to act smart But let me tell you one thing, you got hard To perpetrate your bait, so just wait Till the press shove a mic in your face Or you meet Boogie down at Chuck D Stetsasonic or the Big Daddy And they ask you about the game you claim you got Drop science now, why not? You start to sweat and fret, it gets hot. How'd you get into this spot? You played yourself. Yo, yo, you played yourself. I'm no authority, but I know the D-E-A-L When it comes to dealing with the females What you got, they want, cash is what they need Slip sucker and they'll break you with speed But you meet a freak, you try to turn her out Spending money's what I'm talking about But you fool out, your pockets got blew out And after the date, no boots, you got threw out Mad and shook, cause your duckers got took Call her up 
phone's off the hook But who told you to front and flaunt your grip You can't buy no relationship You played yourself Yo, homeboy, you played yourself I'm in the MC game A lot of MCs front And for the money, they sell out stunts But they claim that they're rich And that they keep cash Yo, let me straighten this out fast 200,000 records sold And these brothers start yelling about gold You better double that, then double that again And still don't get sued, my friend You think you made it, you're just a lucky man Guess who controls your destiny, fans But you diss them, cause you think you're a star That attitude is rude, you won't get far Cause they're turning you quick, you drop like a brick Unemployment's where you'll sit No friends, cause you diss them too No money, no crew You're through, you played yourself That's right, you played yourself. You played yourself. Yo, yo, you played yourself. You got problems, you claim you need a break. But every dollar you get, you take. Straight to the dope man, try to get a beam up. Your idle time is spent trying to scheme up. Another way to get money for a jumbo. When you go to sleep, you count five bows. Lying and cheating, everybody you're beating. Dirty clothes and you're skinny, cause you haven't been eating. You're ripped off all your family and your friends. Nowhere does your loss in the end. And then you get an idea for a big move. An armed robbery, smooth. But everything went wrong, somebody got shot. You couldn't get away. The cops roll your pop, and now you're locked. Yo, lamping on death row. Society's fault? No. Nobody put the crack into the pipe. Nobody made you smoke off your life. You thought that you could do dope and still stay cool? Fool, you played yourself. You played yourself. Ain't nobody else's fault. You played yourself. All right, it's uh, coming up quarter to 12. You're listening to News from the Drug War Front with Jeff and Marion in Studio One of 2XX 98.3 FM, People Powered Radio. And that was Ice-T with You Played Yourself. Um, Marion's going to talk about the Drug User Liberation Front, who's been active since, what, September last year? Yeah, it, look, it's just... It's, it's probably a little bit longer than that. This is 2022, so only just last year. There's a first starts off with a media release, a press release, opened with Canadian activists from the uh, Drug User Liberation Front, which is an interesting concept in itself. Inspired by the Honourable Carolyn Burnett's historic visit to Compassion Club, DULF, or Drug User Liberation Front, continues giving out free drugs to commemorate hundreds of lives lost to overdose in last year. Um, DULF applauds the bravery of of the Honourable Minister's September the 6th visit to unsanctioned site by giving out 10.5 grams of community-regulated supply to um, British Columbia. APOM membership. Vancouver, BC, 3.5 grams of community-regulated cocaine, heroin and methamphetamine, 10.5 grams in total, has been distributed to commemorate the British Columbian, British Columbians who died of overdose in August. And to commemorate the uh, Federal Minister's at Mental Health and Addictions, uh, September the 6th visit to DUL. 
ELF's Compassion Club and Fulfilment Centre, which is now finishing its second month of operation and has sold over 300 grams of drugs without a single overdose. This giveaway is the 10th such distribution of drugs and part of the Drug User Liberation Front's Dope on Arrival program. By giving away a regulated supply of drugs, the DULF um, and the BC Association, British Columbia Association of People on Opiate Maintenance, or BCAPOM, that's what it was before, I didn't realise that, continue to demonstrate that life-saving, the life-saving potential of community-led response to the overdose crisis. In the face of bureaucratic stagnation, the Drug User Liberation Front applauds such a monumental moment of political leadership by a many hat-wearing Zoom meeting having bureaucratic powerhouse Zoom meeting having bureaucratic powerhouse. In the words of DULF co-founder Eris Nix, hello, can you hear me? That's by (laughs) Eris Nix, DULF co-founder. This is about Dope on Arrival giveaway program, this explanation of it. Using funds from our sustainer donor campaign, a safe supply of cocaine, heroin and methamphetamine, as CHM, is being given out for free to Vancouver drug user groups who have signed in onto the DULF's um, SUAP and Section 56 exemption. Each time the BC current, but British Columbia coroner data is released relating to the illicit drug toxicity deaths. These actions demonstrate the life-saving potential of a community-led response to the overdose crisis in Canada as a necessary alternative to prohibition and the unregulated drug supply. The distributed drugs are tested via mass spectrometry, mass spectrometry, sorry, um, FTIR spectrometry and immunoassay, I'm sorry about my stumbling over these words, and are free of fentanyl, fentanyl analogues, benzodiazepines and many other harmful adulterants, which we can find out about using the drug testing checking clinic here, actually. Um, Our goal is to show that compassion clubs, user-organised programs, to distribute safe access to drugs are a common sense and rational response to drug poisoning deaths and that the community of people who use drugs and their allies are willing to take the idea of safe supply from rhetoric or from rhetoric to reality. Ultimately, the Drug User Liberation Compassion Club front Compassion Club model aims to move the use of drugs outside of police-oriented and medicalised spheres to address it from a social standpoint. A true safe supply, that's in inverted commas, constitutes presently illegal drugs sold legally with a predictable content and consistency. Our model is not prescriber-based for the same reason. It's a it's generally beyond the bounds of the Hippocratic Oath for a doctor to prescribe a bottle of scotch. A doctor is there to tend to your physical health according to their discipline. Moreover, we agree that chaotic patterns of substance use have harmful outcomes for for users. 
Public education and reducing trauma in our communities are critical factors to keeping rates of chaotic use down, but the forces perpetuating such trauma are systemic and any real change will take many years. In the meantime, drug users are dying year after year at rates that exceed the ravages of COVID-19 even at its height. That's something that we haven't noted in Australia, I might add, the rate at which people are dying of overdose. We call on every leader in British Columbia and Canada to listen to people who use drugs and to live up to their responsibility to stop the drug war's senseless cycle of death. Our demands are the following. One, all levels of government must immediately fund programs for safe and accessible supplies of all drugs including cocaine, heroin and crystal meth, by directly listening to user groups and people who use drugs. Two, all levels of government must immediately develop an accessible legal framework that decriminalises, licence, funds and provides facility spaces for heroin, cocaine and methamphetamine compassion, compassion clubs. Three, all government commissions on drug policy, safe supply and decriminalisation must include meaningful representation from drug user groups. Nothing about us without us. It's with profound frustration and unimaginable grief we share this message to provincial and federal government officials. Step up and address the issues that are killing us or allow us to access or allow us access to the resources and funds to do it ourselves outside of the constraints of this discriminatory structure. And I think that's a really potent piece. That is so powerful, Mary. It is. And what and yeah. really not only important but factual, Jeffrey. Yep. Yeah. They've just said what they mean and they mean what they say. And it's absolutely something that I've suggest that we pick up in Australia and run with. Yeah. It's it just, really important. They just had a gut full of so many colleagues, friends, lovers dying. And the number of people that I've seen die over my years, Jeffrey, when using and not using. Yeah, you lose It doesn't touch. matter. They just died. And even with naloxone, yeah. not the cure for all drug overdoses, only for opioids. Yeah. And someone else has to be there. Yeah, and someone has to be there. That's in incredibly important. Uh, I've got a song that's a shout-out to my colleague Dave, who loves the remains. It's uh, Now I Want to Sniff Some Glue. <laughs>
All right, it's coming up five minutes to 12. We're just in the final moments of this week's news from the drug war front, brought to you by Karma, the Canberra Alliance for Home Minimisation and Advocacy, which is located at uh, Shop 12, um, yeah, uh, Level 154 Benjamin Way, Bill Connon. 6253364365653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653653